Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello there and welcome to episode 5 of Jedi Order Podcast. After the great response to us revisiting The Empire Strikes Back for his 40th anniversary, we've got Ardziff back and this time we're going to revisit A New Hope. All the way back to 1977, where the whole thing began in a galaxy far, far away. So without further ado, here's episode 5 of Jedi Order Podcast. Okay, so here he is, Ardiff. How you doing, man? Hey, dude. Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. And you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Can't complain when I've had to watch um, the old trilogy back to back. God, it is a difficult life, isn't it? It's very difficult. Very difficult. Um, starting on this one, I know it's different because obviously both of us weren't alive when this film came out. <laughs> right, yeah. So we, but we still grew up with it as such which is what happens to a lot of people it seems due to how popular these films ended up being cultural pop culture phenomenon for years after they were released what were your first memories of this film was it at home vhs or yeah so i mean i think i had mentioned on the uh the first podcast we had done that it was i first was exposed to star wars in Spain because my mum's side of the family is Spanish. So my aunts and uncles and my mum and everyone really uh, used to love Star Wars as, as, as films. And so, yeah, my first kind of exposure to Star Wars was VHS in Spanish uh, in Spain. And, you know, I mean, I must have been a, probably around seven or eight and my uncle was filling in a lot of the gaps with uh, his own knowledge. So it was, there was already a, a strong love of Star Wars in the family. Uh, so then we got the VHS videos well, we got the videos in Spanish and my brother and I, as kids, would always, uh, it became a bit of an obsession, actually, for us. We would always pick one of the original trilogies to watch on most weekends, actually. I mean, we really, really loved them. Usually it was either A New Hope or Return of the Jedi because those were the happier ones <laughs> for us kids. But Empire Strikes Back always, always came up once in a while, you know, to give it a refresh. But yeah, so that was kind of our first exposure to the original trilogy. And then um, from there... I remember watching them in the cinema as well when they, all three actually, when they came out uh, and were re-released with the additional CGI. So, you know, whilst we weren't alive when they first came out, I was able to see them in the cinema as a kid. Uh, so I do feel that, you know, it was a very, you know, the Star Wars films were always a strong part of my childhood. And then, of course, the prequels came out. And I mean, as a kid, I used to adore Star Wars. I, I had so many toys, additional comics, everything Star Wars really, merchandise. Uh, I mean, I, I really, really kind of went, I, I just I just love the characters. I love the whole, the world of it. Um, I love the expanded universe as well. I remember reading some of the books when I was younger. Yeah. And then of course, when the prequels came out, I just kind of expanded further, but I, I do really remember my love starting with the original trilogy. So, which I'm glad because you know, it's, a, it's for me, the best place to start really. So what about you? Well, firstly, did 
the films when you saw them in Spanish, was it dubbed or was it subtitled? It was dubbed. They were dubbed. So it was um so actually I remember like watching for the first time in English and finding their actual voices really strange. <laughs> and of course, you know, how Spanish dub dub dubbing used to work actually was a lot of the same voice actors would dub a lot of films. So actually it was like, oh, you know, Han Solo has a similar voice to, you know, uh, you know, another character from like the time. And it was always like quite funny how it's like, oh, they, they all sound kind of similar, but I don't, yeah, that's, that's odd, but you know, that's how it is. And then you see it in English, you're like, oh, wow, their voices really are. You always think they're strange at first because the Spanish version just feels right when you're a kid, but then you realize, oh, wow, there's so much the Spanish version did wrong. <laughs> but still, I mean, you, you, you get the, the, the general message and not too much of the story was changed or anything. So it was, uh, yeah, I just yeah we kind of got used to it really, and then once they come came along in English, I think actually one of the I remember watching them in the cinema, and that was one of the early times where I had first seen that. I I think I'd seen them in English like once before, but then in the cinema that was kind of my first exposure to the English versions, and being quite surprised, but of course loving it. And then yeah, and then eventually I think we got the DVDs and in English and carried on that way. Uh, but yeah, so I've kind of seen, but I can tell you that it it's obviously you know as we all know. Star Wars is loved everywhere and it's almost like a kind of holy uh, experience to pass down to children and you know thinking about how my uncle and aunt used to kind of show us and explain different plot points and things that were happening it was really quite almost like a, <laughs> a religious ceremony it was you know very highly lauded and just all the characters were respected and the themes and ideas in it that it was uh, it felt like more than a film you know, it, it really felt like a, a kind of piece of culture and pop culture that really had influenced a lot of people and their kind of mindset in in terms of how they saw cinema and storytelling and, of course, like space and sci-fi. Um, I always found Star Wars was regarded as the coolest bit of sci-fi. You know, it was um, it was actually not until uni when I encountered someone who thought Star Wars was not cool. And he was duly, you know, argued with many for many, many, many hours. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my exposure and uh, and kind of how my love was founded, really. Um, well, that's yeah. why um, A New Hope is kind of takes on this different form to people like us, people who were born in the mid 80s, because Star Wars, Star Wars was never an underground thing. It was always massive mm. and it was always a part of the pop culture scene and became a phenomenon from the first film. So I myself didn't experience... Now, I know I must have seen part of one of the original trilogies or all of them either on the television or on VHS in the early 90s, maybe even the late 80s. But my first memory is my mum taking me to see them at the cinema when, like you mentioned, they had the re-releases before mm -hmm. the prequels came out. And that that for me was my big star wars moment which led into loving the films and the comics and this now series and books but it was very much a thing that was already there so it was we already knew about it for, before knowing it at a certain extent so very much with what you said it does it always felt like more of a film uh no more than a film it was just this I don't know. It had something that, for my memory, from a young age, no other film franchise had, or no other films had. Just had this mythology about it that went through 
so many generations and has spawned obviously so much since but star wars just seemed like this separate entity on its own yeah. where there's movies there's sci-fi movies and then there's star wars and that's kind of how it was to me kind of in the background before i became even a star wars fan firstly let's talk a bit about how this film holds up so well with films even today the opening sequence the star destroyers going over the top chasing princess leia's ship the special effects just watching them again I kind of it's still unbelievable that that was created in 76 for release in 77 so far ahead of its time I mean I, I completely agree like the first shot really it is really one of those perfect intro shots as well to introduce you to the two main threads of the film which is the rebels and and, and the empire um and it is it it perfectly sums up the situation as well. The fact that the rebels are kind of on the back foot and running away. And then, you know, the, I mean, that iconic shot of the underbelly of the star destroyer just coming across the screen. It's so menacing and so representative of what the empire is and how they're taking on the rebellion, well, the rebellion, um, that it's, it really is one of those. So before watching this film, I, I had some top of head thoughts that I kind of, put down and really for a new hope i couldn't not think of most of the elements as iconic really um from those types of shots that we just described like the intro shot to i mean thinking of just all the characters and how well defined they are the set pieces and the planets the uh the just the the lines that are used within the dialogue i, I find so much of the dialogue on point within a new hope that i can't not think that it's it's just nothing short of iconic it really is there's so many kind of areas to the film that just jump out when i when i start thinking about it from the top of my head and re-watching them i, I mean i rewatched the, all three yesterday kind of back to back and um yeah that first shot really brings a smile to my face and even just the opening scene i mean how it just flings you straight into the action and I, actually i i think that's for me having rewatched a new hope recently and you know in times in the past that for me really the main thing about the film is how well it gets the flow of the story that you've got this kind of quite you know this these two sides of the story within this new galaxy and universe that you've just kind of been thrown into and the way the film starts and then the, it carries on just to the end it really does not stop even in parts of low action there's intrigue and and some parts of comedy and just all these elements to fill in these gaps of curiosity that you as the audience have and right through it just by the time you get to the you know the death star trench run i'm almost like where did the film go really because it flows so well like each scene is perfectly in place and just carries on to the next one and as i was saying with the dialogue like nothing really ever feels like fluff or exaggeration or being over the top. Everything seems to have a very concise place that tells you something further about the galaxy or the characters or the sets that, or the places that they're in. And for that, I, I just appreciate it so much as a, um, as a kind of first film, it's so well done to set the scenery as to how the galaxy operates and how the characters are and what the force is and, and, 
the fact that the force is on the good side and you've got the the evil side and and I, I and I suppose that's how the film really is you know kind of watching it again yesterday I really noticed the fact that you have you know very clear two very clear plot points one is from that of the rebels and and the good side and one and the other is of course of of the empire and the bad side but I just love how they're so separate at the start and they introduce these great scenarios and characters which are interlinked but they're separated but then as the film carries on it's just everything begins to weave together and then by the time you know Luke Han and Obi-Wan with Chewie are on the Death Star to rescue the princess that's when you start seeing all these characters kind of crossing over and I just find that there's so much intrigue on each side that by the time it crosses over you're you're already well educated into the situation and that's only half of the of, of the movie really or just over halfway and so for me it really always jumps out of that that it's it's one of these very entertaining kind of naturally moving films that the scenes feel like they all have a good place and nothing really feels like unnecessary really very much so the pace of a new hope to me personally is what is one of the best laid out paced films over the course of the whole skywalker saga every character gets to live in their element for a good amount of time for you to understand that character's motives and one and then what perfectly brings them together near the end of the film and we were talking about this when we were speaking about how the phantom menace moves very well but clone attack of the clones and revenge of the sith has some of these stagnant moments more so in attack of the clones but something you don't really see so much in the original trilogy and again like you were saying the initial shots is very much a david and goliath from the get-go you see the small ship princess leia ship go across followed by the menacing imperial star destroyer and then even when you get to the characters inside you have the rebels with just these (laughs) weird but cool helmets and then just normal clothes and all the stormtroopers coming in in this like shiny military outfits darth vader comes in who's twice the size of princess leia and you get those storylines are so well written in barely two, three minutes of the opening that you understand where both of these characters are coming from straight away. I feel Darth Vader's introduction to it is absolutely brilliant introduction when he comes to it. Just the opening beats, he doesn't even say a word when he first comes through. He's just looking at the dead rebel bodies on the floor and just like, yep, move on. (laughs) walks through the hallway but then i also love how princess leia's introduction you obviously briefly see her with r2d2 but she doesn't have any lines then but as soon as she gets introduced to vader and i know he's a menacing character but she's immediately not taking crap from anyone and i think the first line you get from her when she comes around the corner and sees him she's like oh great (laughs) (laughs) and it just sets her up on how much of an amazing character she is for me she's still probably one of if not my favorite character through the whole original series due to her attitude and way of dealing with things and how it's just it's taking no crap at any point in time 
and just dealing with every situation as it comes to her most most of the time better than everybody else around her but yes how you said a new hope the writing i know that this was a film where a lot of stuff was done in the editing they had a lot of changes Hmm. but it's hard to find anything that it's doing wrong especially in the era that it was made the characters the actors to play them the storyline the dialogue i know which was the thing that they talk about early on hard to say easy to write not as easy to say but once again it's something that was helped out in the editing absolutely i mean i you know it's always i'm always amazed whenever i watch um i can't remember what the documentary is called uh, an empire of dreams yes and and just like learning about the the way that a new hope was made and the fact that lucas had such issues creating it um, from going over budget to set design to uh, i was reading the other day that he was arguing with the cinematographer um as to how it should be shot and the way it should be shot there was seemed to be so many teething pains and you know i think the legend is that you know lucas used to cut his own hair whenever he was stressed and apparently he just one day was just going wild with scissors <laughs> well throughout the production um and and as you said you know so much of it came has come down to the editing actually uh and clearly from the the way that it's been put together but it's almost like i i suppose the editing really that that really is the kind of majesty of it that they everything is is edited to its most essential points in terms of dialogue. And as you said, as soon as, you know, you have these such strong characters from the get-go, uh, I mean, Vader's entrance is just, it takes your breath away. It's so shocking to see him, especially on, on the rebel ship, which is all white. And obviously the stormtroopers uniform is white as well. And then he comes out and he's just all in black. And just that shot alone is it just, again, it's like that initial shot. It, there's so much symbology to it that you, it, instantly know what type of character he is and and the fact that he's an evil person who's going to try and quash anyone who opposes him and then yeah as you said leo comes in and already she's argumentative with this great tall character and imposing and menacing and she's already getting in his face telling him about politics and and saying you know you, you can't and actually this is one of the points that re-watching it yesterday it's interesting because i think watching it against the original trilogy because there's so much politics in the original trilogy you don't pick up on as much of the political maneuverings in the original trilogy but this time i have to say like i was picking up on so many of these little lines of oh the senate would oppose this and and it's interesting that they've still got the senate but you then have this kind of imposing empire which you assume overrules them but they're kind of still politically playing this this game and as is Leia and saying that, you know, this is unacceptable and we're just doing this uh, as, you know, as a kind of, as a reach out to Alderaan, et cetera. And so from, from initially that, that introduction, I mean, and of course, before that you have Vader straggling, strangling the guard, asking him where the Death Star plans are. And, and that uh, immediately, you know, it solidifies him as the character within the first 10 minutes. And I have to say, rewatching it this time, I particularly loved Vader as a character i thought every line of his was so effective and so menacing as to the type of character he is and the fact that he waits and hesitates before saying something or says you know very short things it it really just adds to that menace further and then those subtle kind of actions he does like strangling the officer when they're having the meeting with tarkin on the death star 
just those iconic i find your lack of faith disturbing like oh god like what like he's the perfect villain really you know and but because he is so authoritative and powerful and strong within himself and also he's this leader who leads from the front he doesn't you know shy away he's always there kind of on the battle scene or in a tie fighter and just getting in people's faces and you know and strangling his own guards and you know whoever's in his way whether it's the rebel or an empire person he's going to get them out the way so he can get his mission accomplished however he sees fit really and i just i I really appreciated him as a character this time around uh and leia too actually i have to i find that leia it's interesting because obviously she's the same age as luke but her maturity in political matters and dealing with vader it's great to behold you know that she's this kind of sparky kind of young princess who who doesn't take shit really it's interesting you talk about the political side of things that yes you do pick up on them in a line every now and again especially where this film sits from where we leave revenge of the sith to empire about uh, 20 or 30 years in between however much it is to sorry to a new hope now having rogue one seeing the evolution the last stages of the death star being built when it was used, how it was used. And now I feel we find the Empire at a moment where they're now going, they're making those judgments to go out on their own, go against the Senate, go against the political environment. To They're trying to weave their control now over the galaxy and let it be known to people that this is the stance they're going to make. And it's very interesting to say that due to obviously how much the political side of things is shone upon in the prequels. Mm. Now it kind of gives these films a new life in a certain extent. Yeah, exactly. That further context that you get, which it's interesting that you said Rogue One, because I also watched Rogue One and Solo before, uh, after the prequels and before the original trilogy. And in, you know, at the beginning of New Hope, it says the bat, you know, the rebels have just won their first battle. And it's just these two paragraphs. And I was thinking like, oh my God, I can't believe Rogue One is just based off these two paragraphs. And it's just, you know, it's such a kind of like tiny bit of source material, but there's so much context there to explore. And that's kind of the the beauty of Star Wars is that anything you look into, it's like, there's a whole story behind it. And exactly, as you said, like with the prequels and, and with Rogue One providing that context, it's interesting now watching films like a new hope in this new light where you're thinking politically about the setup of the universe and how it's operating and the fact that tarkin and leia are mentioning the senate you know i was surprised you know it's almost as if leia expects the senate to do something but after 20 years of palpatine being the emperor so there is some context there but and that's kind of the the glorious thing about the prequels is that actually you know you get so much of that exposure that actually it's it's not it, it's almost surprising that it's not in the original trilogy, but it's not really needed because clearly the Empire is so overpowering that it, it's almost like they are rendered useless to, or you know irrelevant to the Senate. So very much so. It's it's not kind of it's not needed because this is the next step, isn't it? It's where the Empire have left behind the political side of their motive and now are completely going for just domination and taking over worlds and taking over galaxies and 
that's kind of their new standpoint that they're leading with now and that's obviously where we find them in a new hope mm. but also i did want to talk about and have as you've mentioned already on how brilliant the characters are just f- for a second on obi-wan kenobi firstly not just him casting throughout a new hope is brilliant casting so brilliant casting but the gravitas that sir alec guinness brings to the role of obi-wan i feel is a brilliant grounding aspect and for for the whole story arc you have these young people fighting against this almighty power and i know obviously they have the rebel alliance behind them and they have loads of people from loads of different walks of life but alec guinness is deliverance of obi-wan and his importance and his guidance to luke throughout this film i think is just so well written and so well performed yeah i agree and 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 he again he's only really in it for about half the film and from the again it's he's so well portrayed by alec guinness that again the moment you meet him he kind of, you know, when he's on Tatooine and he comes out from the rocks, he, again, he's this figure who you're not really sure what to make of him. But then as soon as he opens his mouth, it's this gentle, caring person. And it's from what you've already seen of the Star Wars universe up to that point, he's quite a welcome relief that because it seems like everything is quite harsh and desolate and, and unforgiving and battles going on in space, etc. And then he's almost like this calming older friend who 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 comes in and, and slows the pace down in a way which makes it it, it highlights that there is still generally good you know i mean besides luke and his family um obi-wan is really this kind of figure of authority who who comes out and and starts guiding in a way which feels hopeful and i think as you said like with alec guinness i mean his portrayal of obi-wan is brilliant and i mean as you said, all the characters are so well cast in this film that, again, rewatching it, it, I, I didn't feel like any were out of place. And it's interesting how much of a, a role, C three PO and R two D two play in, in the early part of the film. Whilst they are generally regarded as supporting characters, they are you know for the first fifteen to twenty minutes they are the lead characters you know, taking the, the, the viewer through the, or to the start of the adventure. And I, I have to say, I, I really, really love uh, C-3PO as a, as just generally as a character. I mean, in A New Hope particularly, his his comedic lines and the way they're delivered and the timing of them are so on point and so funny. And R2-D2 as this sort of beeping, you know, sidekick of his. I, I just thought they worked so well to move the story along at a way which, again, it's kind of informing as to the context of of the Star Wars universe, but in a kind of lighthearted, comical manner, which also then moves the mission along. And I just really appreciate them as characters, both in terms of comedy and entertainment, but also as as these really key plot points. And the, and the fact that they're these two very human-like robots, it does so much for the audience to bring the to bring the audience into the Star Wars universe that already. Your, your main protagonists are robots and but not in a way which it's it feels static or dull or lifeless they're so full of life and so full of 
of humor and energy and, and context that they really are welcome characters to begin the saga, really. And actually, I, I kind of had a new appreciation for C-3PO throughout the original trilogy, because I think, I mean, obviously people love C-3PO and he's such a well-regarded character, but I, I find that he, there's so many comedy beats that he adds in at necessary points without making it too over the top and uh, just part of his character that he becomes such a natural sort of nagging condescending know-it-all but you love him for the fact that he's there and again as i said his timing and the and the lines he has are so so rich and and full of life and 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 sarcasm and wit that i i loved him as a character i have to say rewatching him this time and we have to give so much credit to anthony daniels yeah. in this because not only does he really give a masterclass on performing a robotic you know droid character behind a mask which shows one expression the whole entire time but his slight body movements when delivering all those well-written lines that he has take the character to that next level which i feel makes us love him so much but then on top of that you have a lot of c-3po's first scenes big scenes in what 30 40 50 degrees deserts and you look at the effects they're obviously all practical on anthony daniels at that particular point in time wearing that full body suit which i know now it's obviously a lot more movable the suit more wearable easier to wear more comfortable but back then i can't even imagine not only would he have to be obviously strapped up in that and then go out and do X amount of takes for all these various scenes and still delivering the lines and the body movements to go along, which makes C-3PO, I feel very much so such an iconic character, even Kenny Baker having to put up with the same thing, being mm. inside R2-D2. You know, we don't get... They didn't have the luxuries back then of covering <laughs> someone head to toe in green with a couple of sticks to move bb8 around mm. <laughs> they actually yeah. had someone in there driving them but yeah you're very right the droids really do add a lot to the story especially at the beginning one of my favorite scenes of all is i call it like the droid version of the cantina scene where you have the all the droids in the jawas yeah. vehicle yeah, see yeah. about the half beaten up ones and then you see them lining up outside absolutely a massive droid fan and i just love all the creations especially back then of all the different styles and types of droids that were yeah. around that that was one thing i have to say i picked up on as well i i really appreciated the droids and also like you said like the droid bar scene and the actual bar scene the amount of it's like we had discussed with the pod racer uh, for episode, uh, the pod race for ed uh, episode one and how much of an exposure it gives you to the world and the type of characters and technology that they're used to having. And I, that's again, what I really love about the droids because I, I mean, going back to C-3PO and R2-D2, of course, as you said, you know, those are costumes, but for me, I have, I love those costumes because they look so, I mean, they are real, you know, and they are touchable. And it may, for me, it makes the droids real, even though, you know, with our, in our modern day, we would see those types of robots as almost 
technologically inferior because they can barely move their arms and don't really but there's just it, there's so much realism to them and then once you get to the jawas as well which is their kind of well uh c-3po's well rtd2's first encounter uh, and then c-3po's um with you know people on tatooine again the jawas are so they're just these these this great set character that it tells you so much about the the place that tatooine is and then their their kind of their i don't know what you'd call it like their tank or their ship or their their their, their, their car um or their caravan i don't know yeah um again that's something that looks so real and constructed and touchable and when you're inside as well everything is kind of moving in a, a real set piece and i think you know having watched them after the prequels and the newer films um such as rogue one and han solo they i i have this real appreciation for real set design and, and costume design and i think you know in star wars they they they're so imaginative and and so real that it really draws you into the world and already makes you feel as if it's happening somewhere that's something very much so especially when you talk about the set designs it goes hand in hand with the cantina scene that's what you get from tatooine you get this lovely lived in set design from luke's home to the buildings outside the canteen that lived in style which obviously you don't get when they're in space you all that clinical clean cleanliness in all side in all of the spaceships yeah from the imperial cruisers and um death star but i love for me the cantina scene obviously it's so iconic and for me one of the reasons it's so iconic is because it makes star wars when it's set in a galaxy far far away up until that point you don't really get introduced to too many other beings that aren't human and then you just see this wide selection after you've seen all the different types of droids and then this wide selection of aliens of all different styles the freaky vampire dude who i still don't like with the shafty eyes at the beginning (laughs) that's something that you have to give so much credit back then to the costume designers to the the visual effects artists and the artists who came up with these ideas and these different creatures i love the big like furry fly creature he has like four eyes he's big he's almost like chewbacca's long lost cousin (laughs) but that cantina scene the iconic scene still to this day i enjoy it every single time i enjoy the music the setup and it just allows you to see how many different species are in this galaxy and how many are affected by the rule of the empire or the imposingness of the empire it's a really great way to give it such a wider scope definitely I think what's interesting about the cantina scene as well, because th- as you've just been talking about, I've, I've just had this thought that obviously the first 15, 20 minutes of the film, besides the Jawas, most of the characters are still human, you know, whether it's on the rebel ship and the star destroyer. I mean, the star, you know, the stormtroopers are obviously covered up, but you assume they're human. All the rebels are human. 
uh, obviously Leia. Uh, and then it's just really the Jawas who are like these little, but you don't, you never really see them anyway. They're kind of these cloaked little figures. So they, but they have human like, a human like body. But I mean, I suppose they're the first kind of alien exposure you get. But then, yeah, that's the kind of amazing part of the Cantina scene is that all of a sudden you're thrown into this alien galaxy and alien world, and it's you're having to deal with these like social understandings of how people and droids are you know and the fact that they go into the bar and they're like you know and the barkeeper says we don't serve their type and it's already like oh well are they droids you know what's what's wrong with them and then you're probably thinking oh they probably take space and yeah actually yeah get the droids out of here you know i wouldn't want to sit next to the droid taking my seat or hogging up some space in a crowded bar but then you have all these other characters in there who are fine and including you know bounty hunters who are doing their work in the bar which is actually absolutely hilarious that they you know they don't let in these peacekeeping droids who are fine but then they're happy to have bounty hunters killing people at the bar and being paid off etc i i I, but i I love that so much it just again it it sums up so much about tatooine as a place and as we see tatooine throughout the prequels and the original trilogy it really is this raw unrefined place that it's so opposite to where Luke ends up as a Jedi Knight later on that he's this sophisticated sort of gentleman. And and it's similar with Anakin, you know, that they both started out in this kind of desolate place where it's kind of quite hopeless. And then from escaping it and, and also realizing how hopeless it is and then rising above it, that's when they, their characters really come into their own really because they've had to already deal with such hardship of like the type of terrain that they're living in i mean and but whilst obviously luke doesn't have the same hardships as anakin um i mean he's just a farmer whereas anakin's a slave you can see that you know where they come from and the fact that they are this kind of quite simple but also come from quite a harsh background and i think the cantina scene just is this it's this beautiful illustration of the type of harshness it is and the fact that people take don't take any kind of shit from anyone else and and you have the, the galaxy kind of rubbing shoulders against each other sometimes for better sometimes for worse uh, it's just yeah it, it really is as i said at the start it is one of those very iconic scenes that just springs to mind as, as soon as you think of it and it really is the kind of jump point for the entire story meeting han and and getting luke and obi-wan off tatooine it, it's so relevant and yet it's just this one set you know, which just works so perfectly well. I think that's one of the kind of glorious things comparing, if I was to compare the, obviously the original trilogy to the prequels, you know, the prequels use a lot of different sets and they have, whether they're CGI or or natural. And of course that's part of the aesthetic, but in New Hope, you really have quite limited sets. And, but they, the way they're used is so innovatively and, and, and and interestingly that again, it, it just, it, it grows the world for you just by showing what's there. The sets lend themselves to the scenes so much and almost become uh, sometimes an extra character in those scenes. But like you saying, it's a cantina is for so many elements, such a great scene. And also the introduction of Han and Chewie for the first time. And what a, one of the first things I mean, Han Solo, an amazing character, as all of these characters are. But it all, it reminds me of what we were talking about that they did, overdid in the prequels, is that serious silliness. 
Mm. They never, sometimes never got that balance right. Yeah. Which you see that balance so well executed, especially with a lot of the one-liners that Han delivers across the film, has that column comedy element is brought in so well. Yeah. And the story never misses the importance of where it's heading. It's the same with C-3PO, I think, you know, it's, so it's in terms of the comedy that, again, like with Han, that they never divert too much from the story, but they're able to to give you just a, a, a light laugh to carry on and keep your energy up. And I think that's why it kind of started with saying that the lines were so concise and the dialogue is so on point that, yeah, you have this funny line which tells you something, but also it's funny and moves the, 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 the scene along. Yeah, and you have it, and again, once again, with Chewbacca, who's this other menacing and comedic role, handed so brilliantly like Anthony Daniels does with his body movements with C-3PO, Peter Mayhew does with his body movements, slight shoulder shrugs, head tilts with mm -hmm. Chewbacca, a character that when put in certain situations is a complete menacing character and intimidating character because you know he's a seven foot ten walking carpet yeah <laughs> but then at the same time his relationship with han is so brilliantly written obviously with han having to deliver the comedic lines but you know what chewbacca's saying to a certain extent with how these are delivered and that evolves so brilliantly i feel over the three episodes from four to six all these different characters especially shall i say on the good guy side they balance that humor seriousness so well yeah that like you say it provides those comedic points those laughing points which they do so well across the whole entire film and across the original trilogy that yeah. it makes it so, so more of an enjoyable ride from start to finish. Yeah, and actually one of the kind of early scenes before the cantina scene actually, which I kind of love again to really illustrate a lot of the plot points that we see later on and also in the prequels. Uh, but it's when Obi-Wan and Luke first kind of meet and sit down in Obi-Wan's house or hut. And obviously he gives him the lightsaber, etc. But in that, I mean, that scene must be probably about three or four minutes long um it's quite short but their conversation between the two of them it's so natural and it tells you so much again about i mean everything from uh lord vader and and anakin skywalker uh, the clone wars and the fact that obi-wan was part of them uh that he trained anakin and and that vader killed luke's father and and ex explaining about the force there's so much that's summed up in that short combo that I, again i think it's it's those kind of that conciseness of, of dialogue with the really strong character performances that really you get so much from it from this three four minute conversation that throughout the film that it's littered with these moments whether it's between vader and tarkin or within the the when actually i have to say another scene which i quite uh, which I have a, a new, renewed appreciation for was the hand Solo scene with Jabba the Hutt that they included in the re-releases. Um, 
so you know they went that that scene wasn't originally in the film but it added kind of further context to han solo's bounty on his head from jab the hut and whilst that has some kind of awkward cgi um at points <laughs> like when han steps over the tail that that I, I always find hilarious i really like that scene for that additional context that it adds again it's a short scene but it highlights how important Jabba is as a as a gangster and how much that sort of whilst there is the empire there's also these other kind of large evil powers that work and and want things and just like in our own world um but then also how han works as a as a professional that he's this smuggler but not a very good one and that kind of plays in with his initial meeting with obi-wan that he's there giving her all this and talking about how he's got the fastest ship in the galaxy and then once obi-wan's kind of gone to sell the speeder with luke that you know him and chewie are like oh thank god we can go pay off the bounty and then have some and it's like you can see how he's working that he's like this always trying to show himself as off as like this arrogant man but then when it comes down to it he's this sort of little boy who's just trying to get past everything but he brings so much energy and liveliness to the role and, and another thing actually now that we're talking about Hannah's character one thing i picked up on was re-watching it this time i was almost surprised by how much han didn't get on with anyone <laughs> except for himself and chewbacca like basically he doesn't get on with luke and leia until pretty much the end of the film when he he saves luke in the death star trench run but also it's the same with obi-wan that him and obi-wan never really see eye to eye on things and they kind of it's they're just in agreement because they 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 benefit each other mutually and that's one of the things about hanzo again which i he's this wonderful character that actually at the beginning like he's not very likable at all you know no one really likes him none of the good characters think he's that moral or that he's you know, I mean, he's useful because he has certain skills like the smuggling and, and having the Falcon and and also his his arrogance almost in a way helps them in certain situations. But he he's this quite disagreeable person. And I, I love that you have this kind of this middle of the road character who, whilst he is good, he's also not the best. And he just really thinks of himself and where he's slotting into the situation until he proves himself at the end. And that makes him a really kind of quite interesting character i think in the whole thing that he's always regarded as this hero but actually when he's when you see him at the start he's he's a bit of a scoundrel as he says you know <laughs> scoundrel scoundrel me scoundrel like yeah you are <laughs> it's funny because actually when you look at it han and luke kind of go on a similar journey from the beginning of the film to the end of the film their priorities completely shift into what they are doing from their day-to-day -day life both their lives are so changed by the things that happen in a new hope from beginning to end and perfectly han at the beginning is just this rather rubbish well he's okay but pretty rubbish smuggler who's got a bounty on his head talks all the talk but in behind the scenes he's this bickering guy with cheery who hasn't really got a lot of things together yeah. and then you've got luke who's at a completely different obviously point in his life but has his life on tatooine and the way his life is apart from wanting to go and join the fight or the war or join his friend biggs i think yeah, is what he wants to do but they do go on this journey even though luke is liked throughout the whole film han isn't but then when he comes back he makes that step up 
step towards realizing they're both having a hero's journey just told in a different way yeah absolutely uh, yeah you're absolutely right that they really do follow quite a similar trajectory in terms of where they they start and and I, I, again re-watching it this time it's interesting to see to assess luke with uh, new eyes and really he's just this kind of you know eager kid but he it's quite funny how much he moans and you know because he is a kid he's a young guy who's been always under you know his uncle and aunt's sort of tutelage on the farm and he doesn't really he's not really independent he's not allowed to make his own decisions yet it's always based on what the farm and what his uncle wants and so he's this quite moany kid and and watching over the film how he quickly grows up and and he's almost like this perfect character you know he's this perfect protagonist for you to kind of go because it's the first one of the series and we're all watching with fresh eyes and we really have no idea about the universe and we're all in that place where luke is where it's it, every everything is exciting and an adventure but it's almost kind of a bit petrifying to go out and discover it but then he's kind of thrown into it and you you go from how you, you see from you know, as I said, the the film passes so quickly that it almost goes. He goes from this moany kind of teenager or pre or person who in his early twenties to this sort of heroic guy who's making his own decisions and really like coming to his own as you know with his independence. That it's 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 a it's a great arc to over the the whole film and and like with Han, they they both do a lot of growing up over the whole film and that's kind of the, the I think the wonderful thing that you start you know the start appeals to kids because you, you've got these kids trying to make sense of it but then by the end of it they've come out as men and you as the audience have gone along with them and you also feel like a story and that you've come out with some greater moral good from it you know and a new set of skills and appreciation of of the world and the force and everything you know yeah completely and like you were talking about earlier when you were talking about how certain scenes even scenes that are just a couple of minutes, Obi-Wan, when he first talks to Luke in his hut, I think very much another scene which is similar to that adds a lot of layers to a character and shows how strong a character is, is Leia's scene with Governor Tarkin and Darth Vader when they blow up Alderaan. Mm. And you go, she goes through losing her home world and countless lives and people that she would have known to still being someone who can lead from the front to any given moment always rises to the occasion that's a another story beat that i feel is so well written like we've said with so many of these characters they really get the moments to shine where they need to give their character extra purpose extra layers extra story which goes so well with the overall ending and where they all end up together at the end fighting that one common enemy but scenes like that for me are so well written into this film give those characters so much and they aren't scenes that dwell too much on anything take too much time to say anything they're just point for point hit these markers and then but the next time you see Leia, it's another... Or I don't know if it's either the the torture scene might be before that or 
after i can't quite remember it but i think it might be before yeah. so i think maybe the next time you see her is when luke's uh goes into her cell but, but yeah. yeah there's there's these so many brilliant scenes um with people like han brilliantly written characters that all go on a great journey throughout this time yeah and it's, it's just so well put together yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that scene of Alderaan's destruction um because yeah that's quite early on and it i think both for it's it's the same with luke and suffering from obviously the death of his uncle and aunt and having to leave and then he eventually suffers from obi-wan and and leia as well the fact that she's suffering from i mean the fact that the rebel ship gets caught and then she gets tortured and then alderaan gets destroyed like already these are like the younger characters and almost midway through the film, they've had to go through these great tests and, and tough things that it really develops, helps develop and move their arc along that. It's that, it's that hero's journey, you know, as, as you were saying that it's that Joseph Campbell model that they experience these points of um, these challenges that they have to overcome, which really build their character. And, you know, it makes Leah kind of this more ruthless leader and Luke, you know, it initiates his journey and the fact that he he has to take his 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 own destiny to his own hands and and that's the thing that there are these very kind of short scenes within it. I mean, for example, like Luke's scene where he goes back to his uncle's house and he sees the skeletons burnt outside. I mean, again, really short but insanely brutal, and it adds so much to him. And then, obviously, once Obi Wan, you know, uh, loses well you know folds against uh vader i wouldn't i wouldn't say he's beaten because he makes him more powerful than he could ever know um but you see again luke kind of is distraught and it, it's that's what i love about the kind of writing and the character development in these early well in the original trilogy that they they really do go through things that are, are very tangible to their development and clearly put them on a trajectory to become the the character that and the hero that they're always meant to be, and that's what I love about it, is that this uh, that New Hope nails those early kind of points so well, but not dwelling on them too long and not making you know making the characters become so affected by it that it kind of tortures them, but it guides them enough in a way that it makes them who they are by the end of the film. Yeah, there is. I mean, I forgot about that. Thinking about that, Luke goes through like losing. His auntie and uncle pretty much raised him from a baby and then finding Obi-Wan who knows his father. So you kind of have this, the brief time that Obi-Wan in the film, this other father figure comes into it and then is taken away almost immediately. Mm. <laughs> Even though, yes, like you said, he's going to, if he strikes him down, he's going to become something more powerful than you can ever imagine. And yes, we do then get obi-wan within the force later on in the film so it, he is still there to some certain extent guiding luke but f for someone like luke you can see why not only is he adamant to making a difference within the rebel alliance but his his almost his guts no fear for his life himself, the way he puts himself at the front line in the trench run, knowing how much of a monumental task it is to make that decision from someone who was just a moisture farmer a few days ago to 
putting yourself on the front line in effectively a war. It's like going and being in the trenches after <laughs> milking the cows two days before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about milking cows because we know how weird that gets in The Last Jedi. But... Uh, yeah. Luke has a certain penchant for for milking things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yes, the trajectory of the characters, the so many elements that go into forming them in the early years, especially in this film, you really feel, especially when you see them in Empire, that they've grown quite a lot yeah. in that space of time as well. For me, as I said, it 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 really is to do with the the flow of the film and how every scene feels like it has its place and nothing is really fluff and and it really it it just makes complete sense really that you know you've got this kind of late teenage guy and you know by the end of the film he's blowing up a giant star and it's like okay what has he gone from this to this and it's like okay well he's gone through these challenges and it it justifies everything about it and. Also, his kind of, you know, Obi-Wan highlighting the Force to him and his kind of basic training and how he starts realizing the power of the Force and, you know, and the fact that he's a conduit to it and it allows him to do great things. I mean, it really clearly lays out these, his character arc in a way where it's, it, for me, there's nothing where I question it saying like, oh, well, how can he do that? Or why does he do this? It's, it's so well placed and, and done that. Yeah. everyone's cheering along by the end of it, you know, and clapping along, you know, at their final ceremony. But it comes down to, especially with A New Hope, the sets and the scenarios that they use to make these. And the fact that it's so simple, but so effective, you know, first you have Tatooine and it's basically a desert. And that tells you one thing about Luke's upbringing. Then Masaisley, which is like a near town to him, which is a wretched hive of scum and villainy, which tells you even more about the galaxy and again, where he's from. And then next thing you know, they're on the Death Star or in space first and then on the Death Star. And again, another iconic moment is that's no moon. The moment you see the Death Star and the fact they're being pulled towards it and well, from initially chasing the TIE fighter. I mean, it's so impactful and so amazing as a plot point that all of a sudden there's this great, monstrosity floating around space that they're being pulled in towards and it's it's kind of evil and they're not having any communication dealt with them and the whole kind of time that they spend on the death side is just such a again a growing kind of point you know like luke's on his first mission he's rescuing a princess he's with this smuggler who's a scoundrel and and obi-wan is kind of separating to you know it feels so important and he's barely off the farm but again it's that set that creates this scenario for him and the way that they execute it and i mean again with the droids as well and how they move them along within within the storyline and how him and you know he's allowed to rescue leia and hands kind of doing his thing with chewy and it clearly highlights how separate all these characters are but then and how different they all are but then how they all work together this sort of ragaban team of of heroes that we all come to know and love i think the death star scene is particularly poignant for kind of creating that You've got Leia, who's quite a mouthy sort of, you know, princess who who is very perceptive and very smart. You have Luke, who's the naive kid who who just wants to do well. Han, who just wants to make money. Chewie, who's actually more moral than Han. And then Obi-Wan, who's the ultimate morality, who sacrifices himself, you know, for the greater good and for and for the rest of the characters and the mission. That whole Death Star scene is is beautiful for me. And of course, the design of the Death Star and the stormtroopers and the, the more you learn about it and and how they operate it and how they work. And I, I mean, 
I think a really interesting point as well, is, like or a line I should say, is when Leia says, "Oh, you're a bit a bit short for a stormtrooper." That really kind of tells you already that, oh, okay, well these stormtroopers have to be imposing and scary, and and it's just those one liners that they kind of throw in to to illustrate what the Death Star is about and what the Empire is about. Very much so. I was just about to get onto that. The Death Star scene in the middle of the film, well, second third of the film, so many iconic scenes favorite scenes in so many different ways you go from the iconic stormtrooper who bumps his head on the door the aren't you too aren't you too a little too short for a stormtrooper i'm luke skywalker i'm here to rescue you mm-hmm. you get leia just looking at these two idiots in front of her going yeah. oh, i'm not gonna wait for you guys to rescue me i'm gonna take care of this myself because whatever's going on here is a pretty useless version of a rescue. And you also get the first proper introduction to, I feel, to the Force and to the the mythical side of the Force, with Obi-Wan admitting, you know, strike me down, I'm going to become more powerful than you can ever imagine. And at that point, you're like, how? What? What does that even mean? that's very much taking on the wizard style element of what the force was initially in those first few films. And then of course, I mean, we'll touch on that a little bit more in a second, but one of my favorite scenes of the whole entire film of star Wars is the trash compactor and the weird swamp creature yeah, yeah. <laughs> that drags Luke under and the, the freaky eye that, used to give me nightmares yeah. <laughs> same same with me i was actually going to bring up that that scene and how it again short but so effective that and as you said like with leia once they rescue her it's it's the hilarious the, the hilarity of the kind of ragtag band of of heroes that they are that they they don't really have a plan but they just kind of get in there you know fuck shit up and then save the day somehow but I love that sort of that that moment where Leia's like, "Oh wow, you're you're rescuing me, but we're trapped in the jail, <laughs> and it's down to me to get us out of here." And that's the glorious part of Leia is that she's this wonderfully strong character who just takes things into her own hands because she's had she's again her character has gone through with it, even within the first half of the film, like gone through really traumatic things to the point where she's like, "Well, you know what." got to you got to do things yourself if you want to get things done and then that kind of garbage scene is that sort of it's again it illustrates that what i was saying about them being a this ragtag bunch of like heroes that they kind of end up in this situation and they're about to all meet their demise and, you know, and thankfully you know with the with the droids and that relationship it it comes through and but those little details like the monster in the garbage pit it's like wow we're well, like what is that it gives you so much intrigue and also menace to the whole thing that there's this underlying kind of menace to every situation that, Oh, it's going to get better. No. And then it doesn't only get better. There's also something else that these guys have to look out for. So that everything in the film does feel like this kind of challenge or test, which helps move these characters along to the point where it's like, okay, they're just going, 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 gone. You know, I find it also, you have very much blowing up the Death Star. Not too hard. Just, 
shoot a couple of bullets through that hole. Getting out of the Death Star, big yeah. problems. You got to get out of prison. You've then got to fight a trash monster. <laughs> you got to get past all these stormtroopers, Darth Vader. You got to yeah. sacrifice a wizard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so many yeah. different parts of it, but for me, the introduction to me personally of the Force as this mystical thing comes from those scenes on the Death Star between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. And then that evolves more into the scenes of Luke in the trench run and hearing Obi-Wan's voice, putting his sensor or whatever it was that he was using to guide where he was going to shoot yeah. the missiles. Yeah, it's interesting you, you mentioned the kind of the the Vader the Vader Obi-Wan battle as being this it really is that that launch pad for the Jedi spirituality against that of the Sith. Um, because up to that point, you have had inclinations of it, but you don't exactly know what it is and how it operates. And that fight really, I mean, you know, so you have the, you know, the Jedi mind trick that he does on the stormtroopers back on Tatooine. And that's kind of the first inkling. And you're like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then, um, obviously teaching Luke to deflect the lasers um, on the ship. And also, of course, when he, when Alderaan is destroyed and Obi-Wan is, you know, visibly taken aback and he can feel it, that you're getting these inclinations of what the force is, but it's not really, and that's kind of the glorious and mysterious part of it, that it's never properly explained from the, you know, in film one, but it adds so, it it is this magical, element of the film that adds so much more in this spiritual and kind of higher power side of that yes whilst we are living in this kind of technologically advanced you know world or universal galaxy i should say um that has robots and all these things there is this underlying unknown element to it that is still unexplained and, and harnessed and 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 then the point the fight on the death star really is the the point where these two sides meet and it's such a an interesting scene because you have seen also these kind of force elements from Vader, you know, that, and as I said, like it, you've got these two separate kind of storylines, you know, the rebel side and the, the, the side of the Jedi and the, the Vader side and the, you know, the Sith and the empire and both pay off each other in terms of peppering in these little force activities that tells you that it is something bigger and it makes it gets you so excited doesn't it as, as, a, as a theme and and the possibility of it really that's the thing you don't know much about it you have these couple of introductions to it from vader choking people um to obi-wan sacrificing himself and then obi-wan's voice coming in as a element to the final assault on the death star which gives you the point of that the Jedi's the mysticalness about the force can be so much more of a big element as the films go on that you just get a small taste of it you get the obviously you get the lightsabers which looks cool from the complete get-go then you get the elements just slight elements of the force which we don't really see a lot more of until Empire, until Luke's training with Yoda. But it's just another element to the film perfectly hinted at. I love the fact they don't overexpose the Force or the Jedi 
yeah. in New Hope, and they leave that for Luke's journey later on, and then they leave the characters Han, Leia, and Luke to have their journeys without this being something that takes over. Yeah, I completely agree that it, it, it is. It has a lot of artistic patience, the way that they use the Force and they don't just say like, oh, it's this and this and this. It, 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 you get explanations of it, but it's not so dwelt upon or even like such a central part of the story that you don't realize how important it is until Empire strikes back. And the and once you hear about Yoda and, and well, I mean, I suppose Obi-Wan does allude to this with Vader and the power of the, of, the, of the dark side, but that's only when, you know, he's kind of telling Luke about it contextually, but that's the glorious thing is that a new hope whilst it is this amazing standalone film it also sets up so many elements so well in terms of the galaxy and how it operates the empire and its place there and then the force and you know these characters who are, are wrestling with it between good and evil and it's it's just it's such a great launch pad for the for that storyline then going into empire strikes back which takes that deeper dive into the force and how it operates and, and the history behind it and what i also love especially in the last third of the film when we get the final assault or the assault on the death star you get this plethora of special effects artistry that is just at a different level especially at those times but this is them really highlighting what they can do and there's so many. I absolutely loved this scene so much. Used to rewatch just this scene because I love the assault on the Death Star, the trench run, Han coming in, saving the day. Darth Vader's special TIE fighter, yeah. which just looked, for some reason, looked menacing, even though it was kind of identical but had different wings and a slightly different cockpit, but already just by those slight alterations made it a more menacing TIE fighter than all the others. Don't you feel, I'm, I know a lot of people do, but don't you feel the special effects, I know we touched on it before, but that's really the final swan song of this film, isn't it? Yeah. Them showing off their capabilities, which I just can't imagine what it must have been like to see this in the cinema for the first time. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the that final scene on the Death Star... It... Again, I rewatched it so many times because it's so. I mean, when all the X wings and the Y wings are approaching the Death Star, my, you know, I always get goosebumps at that point because it's so, it's so epic and heroic. The fact that you have this small band of rebel fighters who are just going on to take on this great monster moon planet destroyer, um, and. From that point and then you know they get there and the action just kicks off from the, the get-go but then that's the thing is that even though some parts do feel oh okay you can tell that it's slightly dated. I, for me it works so well in highlighting you know how vast and large the death star is once you're up close to it and the sort of menacing features that it has that it has these lasers kind of dotted around it and then Obviously, the TIE fighters come out and then Vader comes out with his TIE fighters. And actually, that's another point for Vader that I love. The fact that he goes out into this air battle to take matters into his own hands and say, like, no, I'm going to... I respect Vader so much as a villain because he is willing to do those sorts of things. That He, he doesn't sit back. He just he really takes things into his own hands and, and gets things 
kind of done as he wants but it just continues to add to the the menacing nature of of the empire and the sort of the unbelievable fight that the rebels have before them but th that whole sequence is just it, it never really lets up and you know and even the characters the, the pilot characters who you, you're not even introduced to them really any of them except for biggs uh because he's friends with luke's before with luke beforehand but from just from their kind of short kind of cockpit like points you already get so much character from them in terms of how they're attacking the death star and and conducting the runs and 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 forming together and 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 i suppose the hopefulness of the characters and the, the practicality of them and then you also have you know people like wedge as well who come out later on uh as quite you know key characters of the rebellion and it's just it just really doesn't let up at all it gives so much as an action scene really even though like no one is really moving and you've got them kind of sitting in cockpits of x-wings and whatnot yeah and that's for me just another reason why a new hope is my favorite film of all the star wars films it hits so many elements in terms of the story the characters it's such a nostalgic blast to watch it still now I can't even count how many times I've watched this film and still enjoy it, still enjoy all the moments within the film from beginning to end. I love beginnings. I'm a big fan of beginnings rather than endings. And I love the first introductions of characters, them learning about each other, not liking each other, and then their relationships evolving to what it finally gets to. And all the elements to this movie really are on point. And I don't feel that they miss anything. Yeah. I, I agree. I, as I said from the beginning, like the, my top of head thoughts were just how iconic everything is in the film, and talking about like the more action-based scenes as well. Like for a film released in 1977, the action really does not let up, and actually, it feels it doesn't feel dated. It, it feels just like happening and, and important and real, and even though they're firing lasers at each other, <laughs> it, it everything feels so well in place that it's it, it's everything is just so effective i i would have to say it's probably one of probably my favorite star wars film i, I would imagine it's probably the one i've watched the most uh, i think because as i mentioned like before that since being a kid you know my brother and i used to mainly watch a new hope and and, and return of the jedi as those are the, the happier ones but a new hope was always the it was almost like a complete star wars film that as a standalone film it would have worked just as well i say just as well it probably wouldn't have worked just as well because the trilogy is wonderful for what it does to create the star wars universe but as a if it was a standalone film by itself it is one of those films which is just it nails so many good themes and points and characters that it, it would work as a standalone film if they had decided not to make any sequels but thankfully they did um which is a, 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 thank thank god uh, i i have to say like for me the only criticisms I'd have of A New Hope, it's more to do, I think, with the the remake of it and the CGI inclusions. Um, whilst I don't think they're out of place all the time, I do think that the way that Lucas has used CGI in this is somewhat reckless um, because the first real scene that you get is when they drive into Mos Eisley. And you've gone from completely real sets of Tatooine and the farm and the Jawas and, you know, 
everything feels real and touchable. Then all of a sudden you have this overview, very CGI'd overview of, of Masaisley. And whilst it's not detrimental to the storyline or anything, it just looks quite out of place. And I think that that early scene where they're entering Masaisley and there's lots of CGI in the background, I think that doesn't work too badly. Um, but I just think it's, you know, kind of against the rest of the film, which is based in so much real scenery and real costumes, it almost feels out of place and un unnecessary for them to to throw in something as kind of large as that, really. I, I don't mind, you know, including elements of creatures that people are riding, such as the stormtrooper in the desert and things like that. I mean, those are fine. But then having kind of a large, a large scene, which is created from CGI, and then the character, you, you're put into the characters and the whole thing is real and, and a set it, it almost feels a little bit out of place but it's it, as i said it's nothing that really takes away too much from it um but i mean the one thing it does take away is where the hand shoots first which is something i wanted to address to you as well and like what you thought because i'm sure you you know because I, I do remember as a kid what like i love the fact that as i said with those original vhs's they were the original films so han did shoot in those and i always loved the fact that ham was this ruthless guy who you know if someone was going to kill him no he was going to he was going to shoot first and he will he would take him out um and i, I feel that it's, it's almost funny adding in that greedo shot that they did <laughs> because it's almost like why you know it's, it's unnecessary i think i think i i, I mean I, I get why they did it they you know they wanted at hand not to be this sort of such a kind of perhaps he could be a villain but I I, I I always love the fact that Han Solo was was ruthless in that regard. Yeah, firstly touching on the CGI, that is really my only criticism of A New Hope is the extra CGI bits. They don't affect the story, but yes, those extra creatures in going into the village or city scene are just slightly detached. And then the only other one that always bugs me is when Han and Chewie run down the corridor to kind of scare the stormtroopers and you get the door open you know there's a lot of stormtroopers and in the original there was probably like 20 and then suddenly there's 2000 yeah just like there's too many stormtroopers here guys <laughs> somebody got really carried away with adding in stormtroopers um but yes the whole han shooting first the way i see it is greedo sets up that he's gonna shoot him yeah. So regardless if Hans shoots first or not, it's complete self-defense because he says, I've been looking forward to this moment for a very long time. So if you don't shoot back, that's the end of the road for yeah. as a character completely. To me, it always looks like they shoot at the same time anyway. Yeah. But I feel Han, in that instance, he should shoot first. Otherwise, that's that's the end of his life. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. It's funny that you you put it like that because yeah, Greedy does very upfront about it. That like yeah, I've been looking forward to this, and you know yeah, so yeah, blast the guy away, you know, screw him. <laughs> well, that was great, dude. I really enjoyed chatting about this film with you. Like we've said, it's both one of our favourite films out of the whole entire saga, and it was really nice to talk about particular scenes that we liked and character moments. Loved it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, dude.
Hi guys, I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the Force be with you. Thank you.